Autism is a developmental disorder that appears in the first three years of life and affects the brain's normal development of social and communication skills, and it's on the rise. What are some of the signs that parents can look for at home? Why is the diagnosis important? And how can you get services? My name is Dr. Kylie Billingsley, and I'm a psychologist specializing in child and adolescent assessment, diagnosis, and treatment, and this is Parent Savers episode 35. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Casey Wilt. Parent Savers is all about helping new parents from the baby years to the toddler years. We are so lucky to have amazing experts in our show, so shoot us an email or call our hotline and we'll get your questions answered. We also have a free app, a free newsletter. You can like us on Facebook. You can send us an email. You can call our hotline. There are so many ways to be a part of our show. Also, did you miss an episode that's been archived that you're interested in, or you want to keep talking Talking to the expert once the show stops, we have a Parent Savers Club where you can download all the archived episodes, get exclusive content, and so much more. So I'm a new parent myself. My son Carson just turned two, and I'm joined here by two new parents, and actually one parent in the studio, one on phone. So um, Jody, why don't you go first? You're calling in. Okay, I'm Jody Roberts. I'm a high school teacher, and my 22-month-old is named Tara. Hi, I'm Carlin Kowalski, and I'm an elementary school uh, special ed teacher, and I also have a two-year-old daughter. Before we begin today's show, here's John O'Reill to tell us about some great apps for new parents. Hey, Parent Savers. I'm John O'Reill, founder of FamilyFriendlyVideoGames.com, here to talk about helpful apps for new parents. Today, I want to talk to you about Doodle Buddy, which is a great free app for kids that's a drawing app and it has stamps and it has a lot of different things. It is potentially the perfect app to hand to a toddler when you just want to get a little bit of a free time, whether it's at a restaurant or somewhere else, just to keep them occupied for a little bit. What Doodle Buddy has is kids can easily change the colors of each of the drawing and and the thickness, but there's also a really extensive selection of stamps such as smiley faces or clover leaves or kissing that each make a funny noise whenever the kids hit the screen. So before you know it, they'll have hundreds of little kissy faces on the screen as the app goes mwah, mwah, mwah. Doodle Buddy is a great app and best of all, it's free. You can find a link to download it on this week's episode page of parentsavers.com and make sure to listen to future episodes of Parent Savers for more great apps for new parents. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Today on Parent Savers, we have psychologist Dr. Kylie with us, and this is the second part of our two-part series about autism, so I'm excited to have a different perspective than the one we did last week. So, um, Dr. Kylie, what are some of the early signs of autism that parents should be aware of? Sure. So before I get started, I just want to let parents know that there are a number of signs and symptoms, and not just hearing one um, symptom that I talk about 
indicates that your child may have autism, but having a, you know, a series of pattern of um, symptoms shows that kids may have an autism diagnosis. Some of the concerns could be not babbling before the, um, the age of one. Okay. So that could be a, a big concern. Um, things like not orienting to the human voice, maybe showing more interest in objects and things rather than their parents or guardians or other people. Mm-hmm. Another huge concern is not really turning and looking when their parents call their name. Well, my son does that all the time, but that's just to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and that's why I said it could be, you know, but let's say he does it like he never turns okay. and looks, okay. you know, or he is so engrossed in an object, like he won't even look at you when you walk into the room Hmm, let's say that he's just not as interested maybe even appears in his own world Hmm. and just seems to um not kind of be interested socially you know not looking at you uh, making eye contact that's a hallmark and just because a child you know may not have eye contact doesn't mean that they're on the spectrum and it doesn't mean that they're not but it's one of those signs to kind of keep an eye out for yeah So if you notice those symptoms in your child, what's the next step? Where do you go from there? Well, in the U.S., if you have a child from one to three, the regional centers are a great resource. Um, They develop, they assess children from one to three. Um, If by chance your child's over three, then you may want to contact your insurance and look for someone who specializes in autism assessment, who's a psychologist. Um, And what you want to check for is someone who has a background in testing and using some of the important um, tools like the ADOS, which is known to be really reliable. It's a social sort of interview and some Um, an evaluation that looks at really interviewing and getting a developmental history and someone who sort of has that background in assessing and evaluating for autism spectrum disorders. Before we go further into that, you know, what is the first step? Let's say you just, you you kind of think, oh, well, he's not looking at me in the room. Should I be concerned? Should I not be concerned? Because I feel like in the first year of life, you know, I've got friends, their kids don't babble. Is that a speech problem? Is that someone, you know, and that type of stuff, because I think parents are so afraid, one, for the the label of autism. And so instead of, um, you know, jumping on these early detection signs, they just write it off or whatever. Or maybe they want to, you know, seek out more, but they don't want to jump to the, that it's autism. They, they want to see who do you talk to? If it's just this little stuff, just to ask the pediatrician. A pediatrician is a good step. Um, a lot of times the pediatricians will have screens like the MCHAT. The MCHAT is something that parents could even Google online and mm-hmm. have access to that. It's a free sort of checklist. It asks, like, do your, does your child enjoy bouncing on your knee? Does he look at you in the eye? Does he enjoy um, bringing things and showing things to you? It has a lot of these questions, um, and it's a great just screen. That's okay. a first start is sometimes just doing a screening measure. But I want parents to be aware because I have a lot of patients that come in where their pediatricians are not as well educated in autism spectrum disorders. And I hear them say, you know, why didn't my pediatrician tell me? And so there Mm -hmm. are some pediatricians that aren't as attuned to some of those symptoms. And so parents bringing it up. And I always say, you know, trust that maternal instinct. If you see your child and you feel like, they're very different from other kids or you feel like something's just not right and you know Mm -hmm. there could be something. It doesn't hurt to go to a regional center, maybe call a psychologist, ask other friends. Teachers are great resources of information Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of get an idea. And it never hurts to pursue that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, 10 years ago, we had the wait and see. Even 15 years ago, it was more like, let's wait and see it, you know, and see what happens. And, you know, a little bit of that's okay. But when it's to that point where there's a lot 
of other concerns going on and your maternal instinct is saying there's something not right, it doesn't hurt to have it um, investigated. And we'll talk about early intervention and why well, that's important. Yeah, well, and that's as I say. Yeah. We, were gonna, we, we talked about that in the last episode. The earlier you detect it, the better off for the child. But Jody, what were you about to say? Well, so, I mean, don't be afraid of, you know, looking out and finding um, someone to diagnose them. But what does that exactly mean for um, your child to be um, considered autistic for not only the child, but the parent? Excellent question. I get that a lot. And I mean, that's probably something I talk with parents a lot in the beginning stages is, okay, what are the pros and cons of an early diagnosis? And You know, I also educate parents that the autism spectrum is huge. It doesn't just mean a child is classically autistic, and I think that's what a lot of us think is that child who's spinning in the corner or hand-flapping and not interested at all. But now we know that there's kids who are very, you know, mild on the spectrum and just have more problems with rigidity and that social nuances. And what I say is that it's better to have the diagnosis, especially like in California right now, we have a law that was recently passed for these kids to start receiving early ABA treatment or um, applied behavior analysis, which is excellent treatment for kids on the spectrum, speech therapy and OT. Right, so would they be able to improve socially? Like for example, through these programs? Absolutely, actually I see kids who, you know, let's say 10 years ago their parents paid 120,000 a year or something crazy like that to get these early services, you can see tremendous improvements in these kids. And I mean, I have some kids that come in, you wouldn't even know that they were on the spectrum. There are some that I've seen who are in high school who have had early intervention services. And, you know, I I don't like the term cure, but I like recovery or they really... um, significantly improve their symptoms to where you would hardly even know they're on the spectrum. They have friends, they're doing well, um, they may just have some slight um, subclinical symptoms, I like to say. So yeah, the early intervention, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody, you know, um, it may be that you just inform, you know, you as parents know you're able to scaffold these skills early on in your child. Like, okay, look at me in the eye before you give them juice, having them articulate that and look at you while they ask you. So some of these even small parent training tools can make a huge difference early on to where the child won't even be noticed sometimes to be on the spectrum as they get older. Well, and you had said, um, you know, the spectrum, we've got this wide thing. So not necessarily if your child's not looking in you in the eye, but he's doing everything else normally. And you start to do one of those tests that you see online and you see mm-hmm. that they they actually can go somewhere on the spectrum. Um, this could be something like, I mean, I've um, talked with you before and you've mentioned someone you've seen and they're just like you said, rigid, they've got. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent, you would just say, oh, they just like to be ordered, ordered to their life. They like say. their routines. They like their routines. Mm-hmm. And so we just write it off as saying, oh, they're just set in their ways. But in actuality, you're saying that could be a cause of a spectrum uh, disorder and getting help for it could help. Well, I recently had a parent, and I've seen a lot of these kiddos that are just very mild, mild on the spectrum. And she brought me in because he had a lot of hard, a hard time transitioning between um, you know, different tasks in the classroom with tantrum, had a huge tantrum reaction, um, but was very social. And so I did a full evaluation on the child. And what I saw was he's has minor, I would even say characteristics of kids on the spectrum, but pro- I did not diagnose him on the spectrum. But I said, look, these are the things to be aware of. He could, I see a little bit of that difficulty understanding how his, his actions impact others. And that's a hallmark of kids on the spectrum. But the main thing he 
has a challenge with is this rigidity. So I said, you know, he has, I'm gonna say he has a behavioral problem. And I want you to do these intervention techniques early. I want you guys to try reinforcing him for when he does transition a little bit better to different tasks in the classroom. I want you to try, um, you know, just being aware of social nuances and really reinforcing him for playing appropriately with peers and just kind of monitor him as he gets older. And I explained that, you know, doing these early, even parent type skills are going to prevent this child from having problems later on. Well, and mm-hmm. is it possible that, he, I don't even know this is true. Yeah. Let's say he's got this this te- temper tantrum issue. Mm-hmm. Can it get worse? Like, will he then get on the spectrum eventually? Or can autism increase as they well, get older? Yeah, for kids that are very mild, what we see is as they get into junior high and high school, that's when social nuances become very complex. Mm. That's when kids can start picking up and bullying and noticing, wait, you know, they fit in fine, just, you know, chase and some of tag and playground and those kinds of games. But when you put them in with um, high schoolers and junior hires and they're they're older and there's no longer that playground equipment, but you're having to hang out and understand how to enter and exit a group and all of these really nuanced things, that's when sometimes the more mild kids start having more challenges. Mm. So if you know that they could have that tendency to go there, and that's where sometimes I see girls on the spectrum get diagnosed in junior high because they can be a little bit... Um, um, more mild than other kids. And so sometimes if you know sooner, like know early on and you're using, let's say, some of Michelle Garcia Winner's social thinking um, type of curriculum with your kids and you're helping them with um, transitioning and you're just inc- being more aware during their play dates and saying, oh, you you took turns awesome with Johnny. Like, I'm really proud of you with that. And you're kind of reinforcing a lot of these skills. You're going to prevent those problems later on and even prevent the diagnosis versus those parents I see they're going to grow out of it. They're going to grow out of it. And then um, by the time junior high hits, they kept thinking they were going to grow out of it. Now they're depressed and mm-hmm. anxious because they don't have any friends. They don't know how to deepen relationships um, for, at their developmental mm-hmm. age. So if you can think of an autism spectrum disorder, it's more like their social and emotional um, maturity level is a little bit lower than other kids. So if you can kind of work on that a little bit more, you can prevent that gap as much as they get older. Well, all I see is dollar signs. So when we we come back, we're going to talk about psychological evaluations and how they work as well as ways to access these services. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Parent Savers, we have psychologist Dr. Kylie with us talking to us about autism. So Dr. Kylie, what does a psychological evaluation involve and how do parents find a clinician who's qualified to access this test? Sure. So um, I worked for um, a few years at um, Kaiser's Autism Spectrum Disorder Center, and we use sort of the gold standard of what autism spectrum evaluation should be. It usually includes a detailed parent interview looking at um 
prenatal history as well as birth and um, all the way up until their present age, um, doing um, an IQ evaluation. That's just to rule out, you know, and look at sort of how their intellectual functioning is doing. Do kids with um, autism have higher or lower IQs? It actually depends. And that's very, varied. I mean, okay. some kids, and I think when we I'll think of... spectrum again. It's <laughs> a huge spectrum. I mean, it ranges from kids who are very impacted, yeah, and may have some intellectual disability um, and be lower functioning to kids who are, you know, Asperger's and may have, like, higher than normal IQ, like off the charts, but socially and emotionally, they're Mm. a little bit more immature. Okay. So doing that IQ helps us to see, okay, yeah, where are they at intellectually? You know, so that you know when interventions start, how likely are they to pick things up? Are they more of an auditory learner or more of a visual learner? That's important to know too in the classroom, as well as as you're teaching your child different skills. How does one find a clinician near them to do this because we got Um, people from all over listening okay yeah so I mean one thing would be um you could either call your insurance and ask for providers in network who may have um, experience testing younger children um, with developmental delays or autism spectrum diagnoses or you could even I mean sometimes do a google search or go to like the autism speaks um network where they have um or website I should say where they have a variety of different clinicians in different areas who may do um, um, autism-specific assessments. So they can give a good recommendation as well. But I would say, you know, for parents to kind of do their research, talk to other parents, um, call, you know, a local, like, parenting-type place or do research online to find someone who really specializes in doing autism evaluations. Is this something that insurance can cover? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I would say almost all insurances will cover getting an autism spectrum disorder evaluation um, because it is a medical, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder, and getting early treatment really helps um, with a child throughout their life. Can it be too late for a child to receive a diagnosis and treatment? Excellent question. So um, right now, I've been a part of a lot of autism research as well, and I'm actually starting to do some research on adult evaluation and assessment. So, you know, it it really the earlier the better but no it's never too late to get an um get a diagnosis like i said junior high high school students have been diagnosed what it helps is it helps the parents and the teachers to understand almost like a learning disability. You know, a child who has a math disability, you're going to work harder on that. With a social disability, you can't really see it and you can't really measure it. But if parents know that they're a little bit lower socially and emotionally, they know how to adjust their expectations. You know, let's say they're socially, you know, let's say developmentally a 12-year-old, but socially maybe they're more like a nine-year-old, then you don't want to place the same expectations and maybe just keep that in mind as you're explaining things to them and expecting things of them. Yeah. And and from the teacher's perspective, um, you know, it's great when kids can already come into our classroom with an IEP, an Mm. individualized education plan where the assessment has been done by a speech and language pathologist, an Mm -hmm. occupational therapist, a school psychologist, and a teacher. And we can really get some detailed information of where that child is in Mm -hmm. all of those areas. And then it's a very detailed plan of what are our next steps and what are some reasonable expectations for their progress throughout the next year. Um, Mm -hmm. Younger children can get an individualized family service plan, an IFSP, 
and I believe it's children three through five, so preschool aged, and they can be getting services and have a plan in place for their whole family to be receiving the support from those providers, those speech and language pathologists and those special ed And is that through the school system? It is. It is. You can get your start at Regional Center, Mm -hmm. I know we talked about before, um, and they can refer you to your local school. You can even check in with your local elementary school. Mm -hmm. Their school psychologist should have contact information of where to start to get those assessments. So if my child's three and hasn't started school, what would I do? You can still check with the elementary school. A lot of speech and language pathologists see um, children from the elementary school as well as children from a SEEK program, which is Special Education Early Childhood. Um, As young as three years old, they have the preschool programs. Hmm. When we talked a little bit about uh, labeling, Dr. Kylie, so Mm -hmm. is this why parents are concerned that they don't want their child that's not an autistic kid you know they look at the disease we talked about this a little bit before Carlin that um, people look at the disease rather than the kid um, Mm. or the disorder excuse Mm -hmm. me you know they're worried about being this child being labeled why is it important to still seek out this diagnosis well I think you know the importance is um, for I I, I love the explanation of just you know the school being aware coming in with Mm -hmm. that full evaluation the multidisciplinary as a teacher you know it helps you so much to actually like teach <laughs> yes I mean, because especially, need- especially when it deals when it comes with other people other students um, I had an autistic student and the parents were so concerned about the label of autism that even though I knew how to deal with him the, the students still didn't know how to deal with him and they were so concerned that they wouldn't allow me to tell the students like why he's the way he is and that put me in a really hard place because I felt if they knew, you know, then they would be able to treat him better and differently as well than, you know, just making fun of him. True. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good a good thing. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes um, teachers can explain it as, you know, everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and if the parents are okay right. with it, he has more social weaknesses, you know, and how can you help a friend with social weaknesses these are some ways you can can help them um but yeah that's so having the teacher understand that i mean i've had um, parents come to me and say you know teachers say that their child's rude because they're not looking them in the eye and that they aren't saying please and thank you or you know just these kind of small things and that may start to hurt their self-esteem when their teacher doesn't or people don't understand them mm-hmm. and why they're doing exactly. things yeah and so having that diagnosis it helps others to understand them and not um you know I work with sometimes parents that say, oh, yeah, that was me when I was a child. And boy, if my teachers and parents had understood, they wouldn't have put so much pressure on me and they would have been more understanding. I wouldn't have been bullied as much. The the district would have been more aware of bullying. So, I mean, I see more more positives with that. But I definitely, you know, I talk with parents a lot about pros and cons, you know, of what could happen and what their their biggest fears are. And sometimes a lot of their fears – you know, now this day and age, with with more people being aware, they're not as as well, relevant. Yeah. yeah, they're just there isn't the stigma exactly anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so out there, it's so prevalent that you know people are a lot more understanding. Kids are a lot more Absolutely. understanding. We have to give these kids more credit. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, they can be a wonderful instrument for progress absolutely in a child's life they understand if you build that kind of community of tolerance in your classroom in your neighborhood in your mm-hmm. community it's 
it's really amazing to see these kids really bloom. Yes, and actually there's been studies showing that if other kids are aware and you do kind of like a peer buddy situation, that is one of the best ways to help these kids learn social skills is in the natural peer environment. Mm, So where you actually have like certain buddies that are Mm -hmm. working with them and and saying, oh, you know, I had a really hard day. And then they're like, oh, are you going to ask me about my day? And really like teaching them kind of how to have those ways of building um helping them socially well, it's true because we all know someone who was a little off yes. growing up yep. and we all just didn't know how to deal with them exactly. so they got made fun of and they got pushed aside however if you ask any child most children who come from you know who have who have some sort of uh i want to say morals but have some sort of anything they have compassion you know and so whether they are a bully or not there's got to be a tinge in them that will be like oh well I have a little bit. I would have had a little bit more compassion if I knew that something was let off. I mean, like, I mean, the little little um, children who were had mental disabilities and they were getting made fun of. I remember going up and standing up for them when uh, they were on the playground. But the autistic children um, who, you know, they were just socially off. They were just made fun of, and you're just like, well. You know, they got something loose and yeah. you don't you don't give them the same compassion because it's not a visible sign. No, it's not visible. And that's the that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what can parents expect as their child ages, you know, throughout this course? Great question. So like I kind of alluded to earlier is as kids get older, it becomes more socially nuanced. And, and that's where like junior high and high school becomes a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But really getting those early intervention skills and having parents aware and them working socially with their child can make a huge difference to help those years go a little bit easier. As they get into high school, you know, in addition to some of the social challenges, I see that they have a lot of those sort of executive function challenges in um, junior high and high school. Those include like the planning, the organization, turning in homework, um, having to be more responsible for things. Um, And so those are some of the things that are important to have an IEP because as they age, the difference, I mean, the challenges look different at each stage. So maybe when they're younger, it looks more like the fidgetiness in, in the classroom and the difficulties standing too close and invading other people's space. And trans- transitioning. <laughs> and transitioning is a huge one. To the carpet. Or, That's a huge yeah. one. But as they get older, then it's like, well, now they're having to change classrooms in junior high and be organized and then also know socially how to enter a group and exit one. And so, you know, kind of know knowing developmentally each stage looks a little bit differently. So having the IEP and those supports and awareness of the teacher and parents is important at each stage and kind of revisiting it as a team, you know, the treatment team that's working with So that's what I say, every year do you revisit this? I mean... Yeah, so educationally, yeah, educationally the IEP meets every year at least and to talk about plans. And then also, you know, parents should really start, you know, with these new laws coming into place with insurance covering more, really access their medical team as well, like their psychologist or um, OT or speech therapy or ABA providers that maybe they can get through their insurance as well. Having a team approach really helps. Thanks to Dr. Kylie for helping us learn about autism. If you want more information, go to today's show on our episodes page on our website or visit drkyliejackson.com. Our conversation will continue with Dr. Kylie after the show for our Parent Saver Club members. See our website to sign up. We'll be talking about ways parents can teach their kids with autism at home. Hey everybody, it's Harris Sanders, it's Dwayne Richards from the blog Daddy Doing Work, which is all about being a new dad. And today I'm talking about something that's near and dear to me, which is the challenges of being a black dad. 
Now, here's the thing. I'm an African-American guy. You know, there's some stereotypes about us that if you look on the news or something, you may see some athlete with nine kids or things like that, or they're in jail. It's funny to me. I keep thinking to myself, if I was an alien coming from Mars and knew nothing about what black dads were about, and this alien landed in Los Angeles and turned on the TV and saw what was going on in the local news or turned on ESPN or something, that alien might think that black dads are just not so great. But most of us, I would say the vast majority of us, are just normal dads just like you and me, you know? We love our kids. We're all about being strong. We're all about being disciplinarians. We're also very loving and caring towards our kids. So every now and then I look back on some of the things that people say, like, oh, man, hey, you're actually taking care of your kids. That's a good thing, you know? And it doesn't really get me angry. I actually laugh at it now because I know I'm a good dad. I know that I care about my kid. So it's really all about being colorblind. When we raise kids, we just want our kids to know that everyone's created equal. I'm no different than you guys are. It's a guy who loves his kid. So that being said, I want to thank you so much for listening. And if you have an idea or a parenting topic that you want to talk to me about, please email me through my blog at Daddy Doing Work, or you can post your ideas on my Facebook page. Thanks a lot, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for our expert about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com or Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Don't forget to tune in to Behind the Scenes Parent Savers Club to keep listening. Next week, we're educating ourselves about SIDS. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.